This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This is your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world, along with tips and strategies for maximizing your career in tech. We also bring you interviews with the leading women in the tech industry, talk to youth who are rapidly building their tech knowledge, and review business solutions that will give you insights on how technology is solving business problems. Now, here's your host, Jennifer Didier. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Tech in the Right Direction. I'm your host, Jennifer Didier, President and CEO of Directions Training. Each week, we talk with industry experts about technology trends that are emerging and changing businesses today, the career journey of IT professionals, understanding the world of women in tech, as well as talking to our youth that are rapidly building their technology skill sets. We also review case studies that provide insight into how technology is solving business and world problems. I'm excited about our guest today, so let's get moving in the right direction. This week in our Tech Trends segment, I will be talking with Daniel Griffin. Dan is a change management specialist, as well as a Microsoft certified instructor. He's a subject matter expert in all things Office 365 and also a Teams master. Welcome to the show, Dan. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here. So today we're going to talk a little bit about Teams collaboration, as well as some change management, because it's kind of a new environment that people are starting to work in. And I wanted to kind of dive into uh, this workload a little bit deeper because there's just a lot of interest in it. Why are we seeing that uh, this collaboration landscape changing so much recently? There's a couple reasons for that that I um. I think of. So uh, the main reasons why we're seeing this is because the tools that we've been using for the longest time really haven't been the best tools for this. It's almost like every new tool has been an add-on to the previous tool. So if you think about the evolution of our office work through the internet, you know, over the last 20 years or so, it we started out with Outlook. We had conversations through email, but email was immediately lacking um, in terms of how long it takes for replies back and a number of other things that we all experience today um, because email is still a big part of our lives. Other challenges that we discovered were attaching files. You know, we needed a way to share files with one another because that was a big part of our workday. So email was never intended for file sharing. However, we found a way to attach files to email so that we can send them out. And, I'm, you know, there's a number of challenges that come up with that as well. Whereas most people struggle with the fact that you can't attach large files to email and people really don't have an understanding of why that is. The reason for that is because email was never intended for sharing files. So we needed a better way to share files. We needed a better way to communicate. And at this point in time, most organizations are using email for the majority of their communications. We are using some sort of cloud storage or network drive for file sharing. And we're also using, in some cases, some instant messaging application. Like for Microsoft, we have Skype for Business. So if you think about it, we've got all these tools that kind of work together but don't really communicate very well although they do have some connection so it's just almost like each new tool was an afterthought of the other tool or was a a solution for a problem we discovered when we rolled out a tool 
So that's one of the reasons that we're seeing some new developments now is we're seeing Teams, which is a really amazing collaborative space that we haven't seen before. We have elements of Outlook built right into it. We have elements of chat built into it. We have the ability to do meetings right inside of it and do our file sharing without having to have all these extra tools. So I think that's really the main reason why we're seeing such a change is that, you know, technology is designed to be to make our lives easier. And if we're managing four or five different applications, just trying to get one job done, just trying to communicate and collaborate on on one thing here, um, those tools that we've been using in the past really aren't the best way to do it. So that's why we needed a better a better solution for it. Wow, that's great to think of it in a whole new way. You know, we we are so used to doing it the old way where we go to email for this, we go to our calendar for this, we go to um, some IM type tool for quick IMs and we're using so many tools, don't even realize that something like Teams has kind of brought it all together and help us to stay in one place, which is just amazing. It is, saves you a lot of time and it's a better way of working. So when you're working with an organization to roll out Teams, um, are people resistant? What type of change management challenges are coming up? I know you do a lot of Teams rollouts, so can you share with us what, what you're finding? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the main things that I'm noticing is that management doesn't always know how their users are going to use Teams. And a lot of times they don't fully understand what Teams is for. So one of the first challenges is usually just making sure that we're all on the same page with understanding you know, how teams could benefit their organization and really looking for ways to make sure that what we deliver is, is meaningful in terms of change management. I think that having training is one of the most vital parts to the change management because anytime that a new tool is being rolled out, you're going to find people who are resistant to it. That's just human nature. You know, we're resistant to changes in a lot of cases because we find our system and way to do things. And as soon as something disrupts that, that feels out of our control, we are in a lot of cases against it immediately without really understanding why. Mm -hmm. So that's another hurdle that we'll come across is the end user part of it. So in the change management process, you know, meeting with the client and really understanding their needs and making sure that they understand the benefits of this tool and just going over that with them and then making a plan to make sure that their users adopt it is paramount to making this successful. Another thing that I, I see in change management and getting people to adopt things very quickly is that you really want to get ahead of your users concerns a lot of times when a new software application is being rolled out and i'm not just talking about teams i mean at any tool that's being rolled out in an organization people tend to look at it or have the opportunity to look at it negatively and as soon as you give your users the opportunity to do that they tend to start thinking that way and then that tends to spread faster than any positive message you can get out. So if you can get ahead of that sort of thing before it gets out of hand, and one way that you could do that, just, just as we're talking here, is just to think about some of those concerns. So one of the main concerns I always see is that people in classes that I teach or people who are involved in the change management process that I'm helping an organization go through tend to be resistant to new software because they think that it is a cost-cutting measure that it's not really there to benefit them, it's there to benefit the organization. So that, just being able to address that is huge. And a way that you can do that is just by setting up a, uh, like an information session, session or like a sneak peek session 
to get people's buy-in on the new equipment or new tools that you're rolling out really goes a very, very long way. In the past, we used, you know, champions of change. We would have, you know, certain select groups who would get the information beforehand and kind of use them to, you know, trickle it down into all the other uh, people within the organization to, to build excitement. But really involving as many users as you can is really the best way to go early on. So a strategy would be to, once you have the understanding of how Teams is going to be useful for your organization to set up a couple of sneak peek sessions, which could be like 10 minute video clips. They could be a, a short email that just is graphically driven that shows some of the benefits of these tools and why they're using it. And maybe making sure that it's addressing the concern that this is for them, not for the organization, but as a whole, it'll help everybody move forward and work more effectively. Yeah, those are really, really good points. Um, Communication, awareness, you know, a lot of companies forget to inform their employees as to what's happening and why this is good for them. So that helps that resistance. It helps them to uh, look at it in a different way so that they are embracing the change rather than resisting the change. So I think you hit on some key points. One, you know, definitely communicate, 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 uh, get some champions so that you do have the buy-in from a group of people that can then go evangelize the change. And then, like you said, sneak peeks, show them what, what it's all about, show them how it can make them more productive, show them how it's going to be beneficial for them, what's in it for me. And those things definitely, definitely help. Um, so, End users today, you know, in the organizations that you've deployed teams, do you feel that they are still resisting, even though the company does all of these uh, processes? Uh, what 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 are you seeing from the end users? That's a great question. From the end users, you know, if we're following the strategy that I talked about, the training is actually the easiest part because by then I have people who are already interested in it. Mm -hmm. However, in the event that I am taking a group of people through Teams and they really didn't get much upfront about Teams, I'm finding that always at the beginning there are people who are resistant and I try to make myself aware of who those people are in the class. But I've noticed that I really don't have to do as much work as I have had to do with other tools in the past. And the reason why is because Teams is really designed, not just as a tool, but really as a, a platform that works off of some social ideology elements that we have already experienced every day in our life. And what I mean by that is, you know, people are social. We are designed to be social and to communicate. We work best when we're working with people and we're able to communicate freely with them. Also, we're tribal by nature. So it's good to have our own group where we feel belong and we feel safe to share ideas. And that's really what Teams brings to the forefront is the ability to communicate with your small groups and express yourself and have fun with it. So as soon as I, I bring a bunch of users into Teams and I get them all communicating together, they just are ready to go with it and they're ready to learn more and eager to learn more. So that's what I'm seeing with, with that. That's great. So once you've done some of the prep work on the communication management, the change management, the sneak peeks, then once they're in there, they feel this is my community, this is my group, and the adoption gets to be so much easier. That's great, great, great way to put it. Um, so where do you think uh, Teams is going? What's the future of Teams? 
it really seems to me that that teams is is the way things are going to be going is that we're going to start seeing a lot more one application solution for a lot of the different things that we're doing you know there's no there's no schedule at this point to get rid of the other tools that we're already using but for those of your listeners that have already been using teams they already know that if they add a file to a team and then they go to edit it they have the ability to work on excel without leaving the teams window they don't have to go to the separate excel application to make changes although it is there if they need it so we're already seeing a lot of these different elements rolled into the one screen and there are a lot of users out there who spend their day in teams and don't really go anywhere else you know the only other tool that most users are using once they get comfortable with teams is they are still switching back to outlook because that is still where we're getting our mail and i don't know of any schedule at this point to include outlook in teams but you know, if we talk in five years, I'm sure we'll be looking back on this podcast and being like, well, it was the obvious path that things were going to be going anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I would love Outlook to be part of Teams because um, I am just loving the one place to go for everything because, you know, it's just always having to go to so many different tools to get a day done. <laughs> It just seems like this helps tremendously. So th- that's what I feel is right now I go out to Outlook, but everything else, like my OneDrive, my files, my uh, calendar, everything is in the Teams hub. And I love that. And I think that's one of the things people love uh, right away about Teams is that you don't have to move around. So um, do you have any Teams tips you can share for our listeners? I think probably one of the biggest tips that I have is actually one of the easiest ones. At the top of Teams, there's the search box. It says search or type a command. I'm finding that most people are just searching with keywords up there. However, there's a lot more built in. And one of the most important things is just going up there and typing a slash will give you a list of commands. And if I had to pick one of the commands that's most important, it's just slash help, which anybody could do at any time. And the reason I think this is most important is because just from what we were talking about a moment ago about how much is put into Teams and how Teams is constantly evolving. If you type slash help at the top, you'll see a bunch of help topics for Teams, but you'll also see a what's new section. And if you look through the the timestamps on all the updates that they push through, we're getting about three pretty substantial updates within, you know, within one month. So there's a lot of changes that happen very often. One of the bigger changes we just saw recently was with the calendar. You know, the calendar used to only show you the day view and you can only view one day at a time. But now when we click on the calendar in Teams, it's actually showing us the entire work week if we want. And we can even change it to a couple different views. So just going to slash help at the top and clicking what's new will not only educate you on the new things that just rolled out, but just get you involved with what's going on with Teams and and making sure that you are successful in it. That's a great tip. Um, I've used it uh, several times and it really uh, gives me so much insight into Teams. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the changes in Teams. You said, you know, about three substantial changes per month. Um, The cloud environment is really fostering this type of never ending, uh, never ending the improvements on our workloads. Uh, how do you keep up with those types of changes as an instructor? That is an excellent question. 
And as an instructor, I tell you, there's been plenty of times where I've gotten ready for a class the night before, prepared everything. And by the time I go in the next day, the Office 365 environment has changed. So I'll have to mm-hmm. adapt on the fly, right? So just being an instructor in the in the technology realm, you already are pretty agile in adapting to changes and figuring things out relatively quickly. Another thing is that Office 365 usually gives you a go back if you need to button. Like you can go back to previous views for a certain amount of time just to help you out as you transition. But I haven't found anything that's really thrown me through a loop. And I don't know if that's to credit my experience with ever-evolving software already. But having the successful tools on Microsoft Help has helped me out substantially as well. So I'm able to go to you know, Office Help anytime I need to. Microsoft has done a really good job at improving their help and their help topics. So any additional information I need, I can get to very quickly. And like I mentioned, you can do the same sort of thing in Teams now where you do the slash help. You have to be very agile and just dynamic through your teaching. And I think our students definitely need to be able to adapt to those changes too, because what you see today might not be what you see tomorrow. Like you said, you prepped the night before, it looked perfectly the way you knew it, and then in the morning it changes completely. And so um, those are those are the new challenges in in the cloud environment. But it's really good for us because we're getting new features all the time, and we're continuously improving the software. Um, long have gone the days now where you know they used to upgrade uh, a software maybe every six months, maybe once a year. Now you have hundreds of changes in six months. So very different environment. So um, we still continue to talk about change management. It's a very hot topic these days. Um, for a organization that might be looking to migrate um, any type of software, what are some of the strategies you would recommend to have a successful migration? I think that being upfront with your users is the most important thing because the success of your rollout is going to depend on them in the end. So making sure that you are addressing their concerns right away, giving them a voice, giving them an opportunity to express concerns. You know, so we were talking about sneak peeks. You could have a sneak peek session. And then for the people who are in the sneak peek session, have the last five minutes of the sneak peek session be a quick survey on their thoughts and feelings about the migration, whether they think it'll be a benefit or not, what sort of things they're looking forward to. And if you have a couple sneak peek sessions, you can use that as a metric to gauge whether or not, you know, by the second sneak peek and by the third one before your rollout, if there's a change in that. And if there's not, then there, there's an opportunity for you to go back and address that. Also having some sort of ever-evolving FAQ, almost a wiki would be a great way to go. A place where users can ask questions, get answers, but also have those answers available to everybody as soon as the question is answered. I think is important. And there's a lot of different platforms and tools you can use for that. There's a lot of different tools in in just Office 365 you can use to do that. So I'm not gonna necessarily express a certain one that needs to be used, but just having the ability for users to express concerns, ask questions, have those addressed almost immediately and available globally to your entire organization is really the most important part of any strategy for change management. Yeah, I love that. Um, really keep them informed and then keep the information where they can access it quickly. 
um, just in case they missed that sneak peek or they weren't sure they were off for vacation or whatever, they can still come back and jump right in. I think uh, communication, awareness, um, and keeping those tools in front of them is so critical for successful migrations. Um, so, you know, we talk a lot about this dynamic nature of the cloud, change management, new tools coming out. Um, things in the classroom are changing as well. And we are seeing a lot more online classroom training versus traditional, you know, face-to-face -face classroom training. Um, what are you seeing as, as the future of learning? Where, um, where do you see things moving to? We've seen a lot of moving to the online classroom delivery, still with an instructor, but um, you know, there's also a lot of on-demand, self-guided learning. Where do you see that all playing, playing out? It's a really excellent question. And like everything else with technology, it's, it's evolving all the time. I'm seeing less and less of the full-day instructor-led trainings because I feel as if we're starting to realize that having that much time allotted to a class can not necessarily be a benefit. So it really comes down to the perception of value here with training. So I'm going to give a couple examples and we'll, we'll kind of talk about how this all could work together and really what a great strategy for learning is. But if I have a full day class and I'm introducing users to a totally new concept and I'm going through every single part of it that I can in the six hours that's allotted to me in the teaching day, that's a ton of information. And in some cases, it might have to go quick to cover all that content. How are your students going to retain it? So think about how, how you learn. You know, is it, is it good for you to sit in a class? Yes, there's still benefits to a classroom. Absolutely. You're with an instructor. You can communicate in real time. You can view body language and expression and get an idea of how people are engaging and learning with the content very, very easily. However, six hours in a day to sit in a chair and just try to learn and absorb everything is really, really difficult. So while all the topics might get covered, the retention ends up being relatively low. So another option that we have, which is you know kind of our current environment, is online learning, allowing people to learn from their own home if they need to. And in some cases, we do a full day class with that as well, but there's downsides to that. You know, if you're home, in some cases, there's more distractions than you would have in a, you know, isolated classroom that's dedicated to that, that specific thing that you're learning. But having a home training can be beneficial in the fact that you're more relaxed and you don't have to feel that you are expressing your constant attention and that you can take a moment and, you know, digest things on your own and come back to the training when you need to. So there are benefits to that as well. But again, that full day training, we're still running into the problem with retention, where maybe there's two things that were learned that were held on to really well in the morning, but by the afternoon, the retention is very, very low. So the other solution is doing shorter trainings, three hour trainings, whether online or in classroom, or even 90 minute training sessions. And then we also have a self-guided learning part. You know? So there's all these different things and options that we have. So ideally, what I think is the best, in my personal opinion, is dependent on what we're trying to learn. Okay, So I'm going to use two different things of software for a second. Teams as one, and then I'm going to use Microsoft Excel as another. Okay, So I have Teams, and I want my users to get educated on Teams, and I want to I educate a large group of people 
with as much information, but I want to do it in a short amount of time. I think that's a really good strategy for easier to learn applications like Teams. So 90 minutes is about the perfect amount of time for a Teams training that can even involve hands-on elements where the users can get involved and participate. When we're talking about Excel, I think you know three-hour training is pretty optimal there because it allows for enough hands-on and enough topics that the value of training is consistent with the topics and the retention. So I think that's really, really the best way to learn. And then the self-guided portion is always beneficial as well because it, I have to learn things, new things all the time, and I have to prep for things and certifications and all this stuff all the time. I find that my best learning process would be classroom training first, where I could get the information presented by a person that I can communicate with and ask questions. So that's a really, really good foundation. Then from there, I could do an online training if I need to brush up or learn a couple more topics because now I've already had some experience um, working with an instructor and learning some of the content. And then having the ability to do training in my own time is very valuable as well. So there's not a one-size-fits-all training solution anymore, but I think having a wider range of options, especially for your users, is the absolute most beneficial to everybody. Great, great thoughts. Um, I definitely agree with you with the smaller bites of training. Um, people retain more information and get just what they need uh, when they need it. And then the on-demand or the self-guided learning is there as a resource for them to go back to um, when they may need a different function that they need to brush up their skills on or maybe even just learn a new um, topic. So that combination, we're seeing a lot of blended learning solutions that are becoming uh, the norm now because um, you need what you need today and then you need something to refer to as, um, as the need, as the projects dictate. So great, great thought process on that. Well, Dan, this has been such a pleasure. Um, I am sure our listeners are just um, excited to, to go try Teams if they have access to it, because it is really, really fun. And um, you build a community with Teams and the change management, communication management is critical. So thank you again. Um, in closing, any last thoughts before um, we come to a close? Yeah, I do want to say one last thing just regarding what we were talking about with um, self-guided learning. There are a lot of different videos out there, like especially through YouTube. And I have viewed my fair share of YouTube videos for training. And I've noticed that there's just so much inconsistency out there with that. So if anybody intends to provide self-guided learning, I really recommend that you go with a, a actual training organization that can help you with that content as opposed to just allowing your users to handpick some videos from you know, the wide internet. That's great advice. Thank you again, Dan, and we hope to have you on the show in the near future. Great, thank you very much. Stay tuned for another exciting interview just around the corner. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, 
Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it, in person, virtual, on demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Welcome back to Tech in the Right Direction. This week, in our Women in Technology segment, I will be talking with Jenna Lang, founder and CEO of Lang International. Jenna has been coaching and consulting executives to be more effective in their high-stakes business communications for over 20 years. Her work has spanned a wide range of industries and continents with executives at Microsoft, the Gates Foundation, Expedia, Google, and more. Her work also extends to helping CEOs of startup companies craft a compelling story that will appeal to future investors as well as partners. Jenna speaks fluent Spanish and conversational Portuguese and has conducted customized training programs to help international teams throughout Europe and Latin America sell, negotiate, and communicate more effectively. Welcome to the show, Jenna. I'm so happy to have you. Let's get started by asking you to share a little bit about your career path. Sure. Well, I won't give you the 10-minute version. I'll give you the short version. So I was in sales, international sales. I've lived in three different countries. I speak three languages. And I fell upon an organization that did pitch consulting, what we call pitch consulting, working with very senior executives who faced high-stakes communication situations. I didn't even know that there were any consulting firms that specialized in this. After my MBA, I fell into a firm that did that, and it was my passion. And after a year and a half of New York City working with financial services organizations, I was quiz quickly whisked to San Francisco and started growing their operations in San Francisco. And of course, because I was in the Bay Area, I went straight into tech. Mm -hmm. So my technology experience started with working with CEOs and founders who had tech companies and helping them tell their stories to get funding for second rounds and sometimes IPOs. Did a lot of work with the big technology companies. I could laundry list all the names, but I'm sure you've heard of all of them. Mm -hmm. And really found a passion for helping individuals who had great things to say, but because of the way they said them, were not having the impact they needed to have. Mm. So that is where I, built my business is helping leaders have as much impact as they can in high stakes situations. Very impressive. Now, how did you know that you had this ability and this skill set to help others? Was there a light bulb moment? Did you have one client that it worked out really well with and then you continued? Tell me what that looked like in saying, hey, I'm really good at this. I'm going to do this as a business. <laughs> that you asked that. I, it's it's funny because I always tell my husband that I say, you know, anybody could do what I do. It's just not rocket science. And he's like, you you're crazy. No, you have a you have a special gift, Jenna. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. I don't think I have a special gift. But I think it was probably when I was I was doing my MBA and 
I was asked to present a financial analysis that I did with a group of, uh, a, with a team, and I was not at all uncomfortable with that process of standing up in front of an audience and persuading them to do something. And what I found that I was doing, in addition to standing up in front of a crowd, I was also coaching other people on my team in how to do that. And they were so scared. They were so nervous. Even though they had done all the work, they knew all the content, standing up in front of this, what they perceived to be a high stakes crowd because the class was grading them, they were they lost themselves. They were not who I knew them to be. And seeing that, I realized, wow, I, I have the ability to help people with these moments. And it might have something to do with the fact that I was a professional figure skater. And so I had to overcome a lot of that fear myself of getting up in front of a room full of an audience full of people and performing. But that was where I realized helping people with these moments that scared them was something that not only I loved, but had a skill set in. Yeah, and you really have that talent. So not everybody can do what you do. I've seen you on stage and you're just very, very impressive. So um, now taking that talent and helping others is such a great gift. So we're in this uh, technology industry and we know it's pretty male dominated um, and you you know, with the uh, business and technology mix that you're bringing together, um, how do you feel about women having the same opportunities as men in this tech world? Well, I don't feel they do. Mm -hmm. I don't, don't see them in the same places. I don't see them being part of the conversation. Now, take that with a grain of salt because I'm not inside of these organizations. I'm a consultant, right. I'm on the outside. So I don't hear the inside, I don't hear the inner story. But I do feel that it's it's too pronged. And if you could see me right now, you would see that I have two gestures in front of me too, where I'm kind of <laughs> building up two columns. So there's one side, which is, are they invited to the conversation? And the mm -hmm. second side is when they are invited to the conversation, what do they do with it? And those are the two things. Now, whether or not they get invited, and, and it's it's kind of like back and forth, right? That are they being invited? And when they are invited, do they do what they need to do to be invited again? Mm -hmm. So I don't feel that they're given the same opportunities, but I also don't feel like they are using those opportunities the way that they should. I have so many conversations with women where I am pulling out the, the very unique things that they have accomplished that they don't feel comfortable talking about. I can't tell you how many conversations I have where I say, well, well, what did you do there? And they say, well, I built the entire organization. I said, well, why don't you say that? Oh, I can't say that. Why mm -hmm. can't you say that? Because I mean, that's, I mean, it was, a, it was a lot of people. We did it together and said, okay, yeah, we did. But did you have the idea? Yes. Why don't you say that? Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't just me. So there's this, this desire and, and it's very delicate balance, but this is desire to bring others along, which I believe is necessary, but it's also sometimes at the expense of getting ahead and the expense of having a point of view. So I, I think that they're not invited to the table enough, but then I also think there's an opportunity for them to have a strong point of view that differentiates them and helps them stand out in those critical moments. Yeah, I agree. Com confidence comes to mind, right? Because 
Maybe it's confidence, maybe it's that collaboration, you want to bring everybody with you, but it is so important for them to tell their story uh, with strength and confidence so that people believe them and they're invited again, like you said, to the table. Now, as you work with, you work with a lot of women in technology, coaching them and leading them, um, what are some of the challenges you've seen that they've had and how do you coach them to overcome them? Challenges in getting ahead. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, um, yeah. Just challenges, even in a male-dominated industry, they're not invited to the table. They they don't have a voice when they are at the table. Um, do you do you hear some of the women in the technology field telling you uh, these are some of the challenges I'm facing, or something else, whatever their challenges are? What are they, and then how do you guide them to overcome them? Yeah, so we're in a very interesting place right now in the world for women in that there's a lot more awareness than there used to be about the way that women communicate and the fact that it is unique. Mm -hmm. And there are some organizations that are spending time helping men understand that so that, for example, we're sitting in a room and a woman has a point of view, but hasn't been given space to contribute that point of view, that the men might recognize that and say, well, hold on a second, does so-and-so, Samantha, you name it, um, what's your opinion here? What do you mm -hmm. think we need to be thinking about differently? So there's education on, on both sides of the gender spectrum. I think that we need to be patient with that and understand that we can't expect everyone to understand the way that we communicate right away and that we need to create some space for failure. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is happening right now. I, I feel like there's very quick finger pointing, quick to accuse, quick to say, oh, I, they don't understand and, and therefore I'm not gonna even try versus saying, oh, you know, they're trying. And I see changes and I see positive changes and we're making headway. You've got to, positive reinforcement does wonders to traction. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more that we we give positive reinforcement for the little things that we're seeing that change, we're going to see more changes in the long run. Very good. Um, so in your role, you coach both women and, and men. Um, as a woman, do you feel that you have some advantages um, in your field that kind of give you a leg up in um, owning this business in making sure that you have the skill set to coach and lead. Uh, do you feel women have some additional skills that you bring to the table? <laughs> I, I, love, I love that question. Definitely today, mm -hmm. <laughs> in today's industry, right now with what we're seeing. In fact, I was talking to someone yesterday who's looking for a master of ceremonies for a a big event and they said specifically we need a female master of ceremonies <laughs> they just said it outright which i love because now organizations are saying great love that you have this person who can get on stage i need a woman can you yes. get a woman so that's yes. helpful but dni think, oh, is like, working <laughs> yeah if dni is working in our favor right uh -huh, um, right but i do think i, I mean i am a coach i help people get comfortable being vulnerable for mm -hmm. a living and then i help them see what's possible for them and 
I can't say that men are not capable of this because mm -hmm. I have a lot of men on my team that I've worked with who are fantastic. I do think that in general, the men I've worked with over the last 20 years have potential, and I haven't asked them this question, they probably wouldn't tell me, but I think being vulnerable, for a man being vulnerable with a woman might be a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And and we're talking about a particular population of men. I think that we're if we're looking at the new generation that's coming into the workplace, they might not feel that way. But being able to, to be vulnerable because I'm a, a woman might have had some advantage. Mm -hmm. That's that's great. Um, I also come to mind from a previous conversation we had that empathy. I think women yeah. bring a lot of empathy and collaboration to what we do. And I think those are advantages um, over men. Not that men don't have it. It's just, I think we have more of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. It's funny. I see that in my daughter, this just, right? Like looking at my daughter and my son and looking at the things that they're able to see that are both very beautiful, but my daughter definitely has that natural empathy and mm -hmm. ability to very quickly put herself in someone else's shoes. And I think that when your intention is to help someone grow, it's important to be able to do that quickly. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so what advice would you give someone if they were considering a woman who was considering a career in the technology industry? Uh, I think I'd go back to this word, the word we just were talking about, which is vulnerability. And here's why, in, in any way that you think of this word, don't be afraid to ask and put yourself out there. And I find that a lot of times, and this is a sweeping generalization, so keep, keep, that, keep, keep that to mind, but a lot of the women that I work with who have had, who have grown up in tech, they like to have all their ducks in a row before they make an opinion. They mm -hmm. like to have all the facts at hand before they state their point of view. And the pace of change today doesn't allow us to always do that. We have to be willing to fail. We have to have the courage to fail. We have to have the courage to be vulnerable. And that means you call someone up even though you don't know them. And you say, hey, I don't know you, but I need five minutes of your time and here's why. And you put yourself out there, you walk straight up to the head of an organization that you want to know more about and you say, hi, and you put your hand out and you say, I need to know you and here's why I'm amazing at this and you need to spend some time with me. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of things I did there. One is put yourself out there by being assertive and asking for help. And the second is advocating for yourself, like saying what you're good at and why it matters to that other person. And that's the advice I would give anyone who's going into this industry is just make sure that you're not waiting too long to be perfect before you start putting yourself out there. Great advice. Um, I think just, you know, really being assertive, putting yourself out there. Don't worry about failing because we all fail. That's how we grow. That's how we win. And um, those those are great pieces of advice. Thank you for that. Um, all right, in closing, what three words would your friends use to describe you? <laughs> <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> and you know what? I change it every time someone asks me because 
I have friends in different facets of life. So sure. uh, tenacious, enthusiastic, and energetic. I love those. Those definitely describe you as I know you. So thank you again, Jenna. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. And now an exclusive offer for our listeners. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast.